The following content may not be suitable for all ages. Viewer discretion is advised. Oh shit, fuck. Sorry. Welcome to the main cave. Welcome, welcome back to part two of the Friday the 13th recap and review. So on this one, we're going to be having Friday the 13th part three and part four. So let's just jump into it right now. All right, so Friday the 13th part three was released August 13th, 1982. Again, it was directed by Stephen Miner and produced by Frank Mancuso Jr. The budget for this movie was $2.2 million and the box office was $36.7 million. Uh, so this is the only one that was actually released in 3D. I do have a copy of the third one with the 3D glass. I mean, it came in like one of the collector's kits. And it comes with those red and white or red and blue glasses. That kind of sucks. It doesn't really just makes a film red and blue. <laughs> I really couldn't see any 3D, but I'm sure in theaters it's probably awesome, especially in the 80s. There was a little interesting tidbit on this one. So the original storyline was supposed to focus on a post-traumatic Jenny Field. Or Field. I don't know her name was Field. I just copied that. <laughs> so Jenny Field, who began learning self-defense and returned to college after surviving her ordeal in the previous film. After finding Paul's corpse inside her dormitory, she prepares to track down Voorhees and face him in a final confrontation. However, this was this concept was abandoned when Amy still declined to reprise her role. I thought that would have been a shit idea, so I'm glad they did not go that. They're training like, push it to the limit, limit, and then she's training like a Rocky montage <laughs> to battle Jason. I thought that would have been kind of dumb, so I'm glad they did not do that. But I'm kind of glad you did not repraise your role, Amy Still, and they did not go with this idea. Uh, so this movie takes place right after part two, and it clears up that ending, so we know it's not a dream sequence. So instead of Jason busting through the window, uh, we just see Paul and Jenny leave the clubhouse for killers. And then we see a shot of Jason picking up a bloody machete and then slowly scooting away. So, Muffin's dead. Sorry. Muffin, you're dead. Uh, the beginning scene opens up uh, with a grocery store. It looks like Slash House. It looks like the owners live in the house attached to it because they have laundry in there. And you can see them watching TV and stuff like that. So, uh, we see one of the owners, Edna, is watching the news coverage about the murders that just took place. Uh, looks like it says eight dead bodies were found. I don't think that adds up because I think there's only six. Maybe not. Maybe there's eight. I'll have to go back and count that. Um, and it shows Jenny being uh, carted off into the ambulance saying she suffered, suffered. Uh, it says that she suffered multiple stab wounds and severe hysterical shock. Holy shit, I wouldn't doubt that because that is pretty traumatic. Seeing all your friends dead and then the killer tries to kill you and then you had to put on a dead woman's sweater and pretend to be the killer's mom. And it's going to fuck you up. Yeah, I don't think any self-defense classes is going to help you get over that ordeal. So Edna looks outside and she sees a man just chilling in the sheets, uh, but assuming it's just her husband, Harold. So she's like, ah, fucking Harold, what an idiot. Uh, then we see Harold inside the store feeding his little fishies. Uh, one of the names is Fish is Dead Man and the other one's name is Walking. He tries some of the fish food only to find out there's some gross shit like dayfly eggs. Who would have thought there would have been gross shit and fish food and it's not edible and it's not for human consumption? Uh, well, apparently Harold didn't know that, so he had to give it a try. 
I mean, we have all been there when we try some weird-ass shit. And like, nope, this is fucking gross. That's why we humans don't eat this. Uh, so we see that uh, one of the rabbits gets loose. So he picks up the rabbit, and then he, he opens up some of the peanuts and orange juice, takes them out, and then he fucking puts it back. Yeah, I'm not going to fucking shop at your store, Harold. I know you're dead now, and you don't have that store anymore. But if I was alive back in 82, and you still had the store open before you died, I'm, I'm not going to shop there. Fuck that store. And then we get to the next scene where Harold's taking a giant shit. I don't think it's necessary to show that. Uh, but while he is taking the shits, he does see the curtains start to move. So he gets up without wiping his little dirty butt cheeks. Uh, so he's got cheeks full of shit. So he goes and checks it out. He doesn't see anything behind the curtain. Uh, but he does open up one of the doors and he gets a fucking meat cleaver right to the chest. So from where Edna's sitting at watching the TV, she does hear a loud bang. So she goes to check out because she knows that uh, fucking Harold's notorious for not wiping. So he's got them dirty cheeks. So she starts looking around to see if she can find out what's going on. She sees a rat, freaks out, and then a hand grabs her from like a little window and then grabs her by the mouth and then stabs her. We don't see exactly where. We just see blood leaking from Jason's hand that he's holding her mouth. So I'm assuming the back or the neck area. But, yep, she's dead. So the next scene, we see a van riding down the road, and then we see it stop, and then three teenagers coming out who are Chris, Debbie, and Andy. Uh, but we also see that there's a man standing behind him with a clear mask and a knife, and he runs up and stabs Andy. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, no, that was just Shelly, and he just got on a little clear mask and a fake knife, and he was just pulling a prank on them. So we find out that they're heading to Chris's old home named Higgins Haven to spend the weekend, but first they need to pick up Shelly's blind date, Vera. Now, I'm not any kind of expert on blind dates. I've never really been on a blind date, but don't normally you usually take a blind date to, like, dinner, maybe a movie, or maybe even dancing. Now to a cabin in the woods with a weekend, <laughs> and a weekend full of a bunch of strangers. That seems fucking weird. I don't, 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 don't go on the date, Vera. Don't do it. Uh, we meet Vera, who asks her date is, and oh, it's the dude wearing the weird fucking mask right next to us. Oh, super, that's awesome. Uh, so Debbie looks at the van and she screams because there's a bunch of smoke coming out of the van. So they all rush to the van, only to find that it's Chuck and Chili, Chili Cheese Dog, taking bong rips in the back of the van. By the way, Chuck is a total bootleg Tommy Chong. You'll never be Tommy Chong, Chuck. Give it up. Uh, so the next scene, we do see him cruising down the road. Uh, they're all taking turns, puffing on the joint. Even though we find out Debbie is pregnant, that's not safe, Debbie. She's in the front seat. And it feels like she mentions... I, I always thought she mentioned this a bunch of times. I am pregnant, by the way. You know I am pregnant. She only mentioned it twice, but it felt like 40 times when I initially watched this. But, no. After rewatching, she only mentions that she's pregnant twice. Uh, but anyway, they hear a bunch of sirens behind them. So they all freak out and they start eating the weed, Super Trooper styles. But then they find out the cops aren't really after them. They're just heading to the convenience store where the owners got murdered. Because they actually just happen to be driving by that area. So there's a bunch of cops. And then they've got the corner loading the bodies up and then they almost run over some dude that's sleeping in the road they help him up and he pulls out an eyeball and says it's a warning to go back to where you came from yeah fuck you old guy we're not gonna help you anymore we're just trying to make sure you don't get run over and then you pull out eyeballs on us no fuck that so we do arrive at higgins haven all of them are all of them but chris go and fuck around by the water you don't really see what they're doing but chris decides she's gonna go and unload the van first but as soon as she gets in she is grabbed by jason wearing another nice shirt oh wait no that's her boyfriend it's her boyfriend rick he's kind of old He's like 40. <laughs> I think he's only supposed to be like 15 in this. But that's yeah, eh, fine. Now he keeps trying to get handsy with her, but she tells him to fuck off for just a minute. And he's like, ah, oh, fine. Uh, so the next scene we see uh, Rick's hauling up some hay from the top of the barn. And then he's talking about how he could could be spending the weekend with some girl named Mary Jo. What a shit boyfriend. <laughs> he's, he's with his girlfriend actively right now. And he's like, you know, I could have been spending with Mary Jo. You know what? Fuck you. Fuck Mary Jo. And fuck this hay. But before she can say any of that information, they hear a loud scream from inside the house. Uh, so Rick and Chris run into the house and Chris makes her way upstairs. Inside one of the closets, she finds someone fucking drove a tomahawk through Shelly's head. 
Oh my god, he's fucking dead already. We just met him. Uh, they all ran inside freaked out, but Andy, he knows. So he starts tickling Shelly, and it's just a trick. Fucking Shelly, damn it. He thought it was a pretty good joke, but they all think he's a piece of shit, and they hope he dies. I mean, they didn't say that, but the look in their eyes, they're like, I'm fucking dying, fucking Shelly. They're, they're pretty vicious, man. Uh, so Vera, she's really freaked out by this situation because she went on a camping trip with strangers and in the first five minutes someone pretends they got fucking murdered. So she's like, whoa, this is a little bit too much. So she borrows Rick's car to go to the gas station. Uh, Shelly insists that he goes with her. She's like, no, fuck that. And he's like, all right, fine, get in. Uh, so we get to the gas station. Vera's checking out, but she doesn't have any money because she didn't know you had to have money to buy stuff, apparently. Uh, so she asks Shelly to borrow some money. He throws her her wallet, but it's picked off. Oh, down the 10 to the 5. No, that didn't happen, but it was picked off. Uh, but it was picked off by a biker game who are Allie, Fox, and Loco. I always thought it was Foxy, but I know it's Fox. Uh, Fox picks up the wallet, and then she gives the wallet back to him eventually, but she's like, say please, say please, say ask it nicely. And then she gives the wallet back, and then they leave. So we get outside, and Bear is too pissed to drive, so she makes Shelly drive. Uh, but Shelly's a shit driver, because he, he's acting like he's ready to drive forward, but he goes in reverse, and then he backs over the motorcycles. So Allie's outside drinking a beer, and he's pissed, of course, because he fucking ran over on motorcycles, you dick. Uh, so he has a chain around his neck, so he wraps around his fist, and then he punches the windshield out. Uh, Shelly takes off, because he finally learned how to put it in drive. Um, and he's like, you know what, fuck this noise. And then he turns the car around and runs over the motorcycles again before Allie can get it started. And he goes, eat a dick, bitch. Uh, so we do see the uh, little beetle with the fucking busted up windshield pulling back into the uh, Higgins Haven. And in the distance, we see Jason standing in the barn door without wearing a mask. That's some scary shit. Holy shit. Ooh. Rick is pissed naturally that his car is fucked up. And they're both like, yeah, my bad. Sorry. And then they just walk away. So Rick is pissed at her friends, and then they decide they're just going to need a little time away from the house, so they get in the car and they fuck off for a little bit. So now that we do see that Allie, Loco, and Fox have found out where they're staying, how in the fuck did they find that out? There's no GPS, they don't have a map, they don't know where they are, they don't know these people. Uh, but they, they find them somehow, uh, so they start siphoning the gas from the van. It looks like they're just going to steal their gas and like, ah, that'll teach them. Yeah, stealing three dollars a gallon, three gallons of gas from them, yeah, that's really going to teach them a lesson. But no. That is not what they're doing. Uh, but anyway, while they're siphoning in the gas, Fox decides she's going to go explore the barn. Uh, then we see her swinging from a rope from the inside to the outside going, Wee, this is fun. So we see that Loco is bringing the cans of gas over to the barn because they're going to be fucking setting that shit on fire. He sees Fox and he's like, what the fuck are you, nine? I'm about to burn this motherfucker down. And you're just swinging from a rope all willy-nilly. Get your ass down here right now. He looks down at the gas cans, look back up, but she is gone. Oh, shit. Uh, so Loco goes inside of the barn to look for her. He climbs a ladder up to that second floor area she was at, only to find that she's fucking pinned to the pillar with a pitchfork sticking out of her neck, dead as shit. Oh, damn. So Loco turns around and gets a pitchfork stuck through his stomach that goes right through him. Damn, that fucking hurt. So Loco and Fox are dead. So Ollie notices that both of them are gone, so he decides to go to the barn to check out what they're doing. He assumes that they're probably fucking... Uh, but as soon as he gets in the barn, Loco's body rolls off the second floor and lands on him. He's like, ah, motherfucker. So Allie gets up and he sees that a man jumps down from the top floor. He grabs a machete. He's like, I'm going to beat this motherfucker up. Uh, he swings, but he misses. And then Allie gets knocked the fuck out with what looks like a hammer. So we don't get any confirmation. It looks like he's dead. So the biker gang is no more. So the next scene, we see Shelly and Andy having a little bit of a juggling contest with apples and oranges. 
But Debbie tells Andy she is DTF. So he's like, you know what? Fuck juggling and leave. That's the thing with these guys. The last two movies, they're in like these strict competitions. The arm wrestling match and now juggling. And then someone comes up to him and says, hey, you want to fuck? And they're like, you know what? Fuck this competition. I'm done. Their, their opponent should like just do this every time. Just find some woman to say, hey, say sexual stuff to him. And then as soon as he does, you're like, you don't fucking win every time. In these movies. I don't think that works in real life. But in Friday the 13th movies, you happen to be in the early 80s and a Friday the 13th movie and you want to win a juggling contest or an arm wrestling match, just do that. Uh, then we see uh, it's just Shelly and Vera just in the cabin now. So Shelly tries to hit on Vera and she's like, yeah, now. And then she leaves. Uh, but then we see uh, Rick and Chris chilling in the middle of the woods and she's telling him a story that a few years ago uh, when Rick dropped her off, I guess they've been dating for a while, he dropped her off at her house. Uh, she goes inside and her mom bitch slapped her for some reason. They get into a big fight. So she's like, you know what, I'm running away. And then she packs her Legos and her slippers, and then she runs away into the woods. Uh, so she says so that she falls asleep by an old oak tree, and then when she wakes up standing there was this hideous, grotesque-looking man with a knife, and he attacked her. She was able to kick the knife out of his hands, and then she's struggling to get away from him, but she blacked out, and then when she woke up, he, she was in her own bed. So, like, did Jason feel bad? And, like, you know, that's that's not fair. I want him to be alive when I kill him, so she passed out, so we'll get, it. We'll get you next time. There you go, buckaroo. And put her back in the bed. <laughs> How the fuck did she get back into her own bed? Or was that just a dream? Who the fuck knows? They don't mention that again. Uh, so next that we see Chuck's going to go take a dump and smoke a joint. And uh, one of the outhouses outside. Uh, before he can get either one going, get his joint sparked or get his turd loosened up, someone starts shaking the outhouse. He's like, ah, fucking Shelly. He knows it. So he goes outside and then he sees a figure walk into the barn. He assumes it's uh, Shelly just walking by. So... He's like, ah, what a piece of shit that Shelly is. Uh, but then Chili, Chili Cheese Dog, pops out of nowhere and scares the turd that he had loaded up in the chamber right into his pants. So he doesn't have to poop anymore. Uh, but they decide that they're going to go to the barn and scare Shelly, but he's nowhere to be found. What the fuck? So they just spark up a joint and leave. <laughs> it seems like every scene Chuck's just lighting up a joint. It's pretty funny. So we see that uh, Vera is sitting on the dock with her feet just chilling in the water. But then a hand from the water grabs her. Oh, my God. She freaks out. And then Drayson grabs her. And, oh, fuck. It's really him. He's got the hockey mask on. It's got to be him. No, it's fucking Shelly again. Damn it, Shelly. But Shelly does have on the iconic hockey mask that he's wearing a wetsuit and a spear gun. Where the fuck did you get a spear gun and a wetsuit from? You're at camp. You're not at fucking deep sea diving class. I don't know where he got that from. So Vera's pissed at him. He's like, why the fuck you always do this shit? And he's like, I have to do these things because I'm a, I'm a nobody. I'm nothing. She's like, yeah, that's true. But, well, she didn't say that. But she, you can tell she was thinking that. But she's like, no, that's not true. Uh, so Shelly walks away because he's all bummed out that he didn't fall for her hilarious prank. Shelly is awesome, though. I do like him, though, in this movie. I keep, I keep bragging on him, but I do like Shelly a lot in this. Uh, but anyway, he walks away, and then he hears something from the barn, so he decides to go investigate. Uh, we don't see what happens to him, but we do cut to Vera looking through Shelly's wallet. Hey, that's fucking private property, asshole. Uh, but then she accidentally drops it in the water. So she takes her shoes off, gets inside to get the, uh, get the wallet inside, and then we get that iconic moment where we, in movie history where we see Jason walking into scene with his mask on for the first time. I do wish we could have seen him pick up the mask for the first time but that's fine they, they do that in the remake and it's pretty sweet but anyway we this is the first time we see jason with his hockey mask on so she sees jason with the hockey mask on but she thinks it's just Shelly being another fuckface again like ah oh, this dick won't give up so she apologized for dropping his wallet in the water but just jason points the spear gun that he had that Shelly had jason has it now so he points the spear gun that he's holding and he fucking points it right at her 
So that's going to be a little bit of confusion for her, like, for the few seconds before this happens. Uh, this motherfucker is going to shoot me because I dropped his 99-cent Velcro wallet in the water. I don't know, he might have been like, bitch, it's Arby's coupons in there. Uh, but anyway, Jason shoots the spear gun and boom, spear right in the fucking eyeball. And he's like, casually drops the spear gun. He's like, la, 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 la. And then we see him staring at the house to look for his next victims. Uh, the next we see that uh, Debbie and Andy just got done with their bang session on a hammock because that's where that's the only bed that they had in the room was a hammock. So Debbie gets up to take a shower. And we do also see just Jason entering the front door at the same time. Oh, shit's about to go down. So while Debbie is showering, we see the bathroom door open. And we're like, oh, this is Jason. We know it's him. No, it's just Andy walking on his hands. It's fucking pretty impressive, but I don't think Jason's going to be pretty impressed by that, and it's probably going to make you die easier, which, yeah, it does. So he walks out of the room, and he gets fucking pretty much cut in half with his dick first, so we don't see when he first gets cut. It doesn't look like you just see some blood, uh, but then later, when Debbie gets out of the shower, she said she heads back to her room and lays on the hammock and starts reading a Fangoria magazine. Nice little touch there. That's pretty cool. Uh, but then she starts noticing blood is dripping out of the on the magazine. So she looks up and she does see that Andy is in the rafters and he's fucking split in half. And they're like, holy shit. So as soon as she freaks out, a uh, hand from beneath the hammock grabs her and then stabs her in the back of the neck. Kind of the same way. Kevin Bacon died, but it was actually in the chest that she got killed. So it wasn't as gruesome as when Kevin Bacon got killed. Uh, so the next thing we do see uh, Chuck is popping up some popcorn in the stove. <laughs> he takes out the lid. It starts flying everywhere. And then he tries catching it with his mouth. That looks fun as shit. I would love to do that. Just pop up some popcorn and have it fly everywhere. It'd be a huge mess. But then uh, I'm like, ah, fuck. Well, whatever. I guess there's going to be popcorn on the ground for the rest of my life. And then uh, Chili walks in. She thought she heard screaming. Chuck's like, ah, it's probably Debbie and Andy having an orgasm. And then he's like, why don't you ever scream? She's like, eh, you don't satisfy me in bed. Uh, but yeah, but in the meantime, this the power's gone out, so Chili's like, hey, non-satisfier in bed, why don't you go check the power outage? That's a fucking cheap shot. You tell me I'm shitty in bed, and then you make me go check the power outage in the fucking dark. That, that's bullshit. Uh, so Chili's in the kitchen, and then Shelly comes through the door, but his throat's slit. But she's like, no, I ain't falling your bullshit again. And she thinks it's fake, but there's blood, and he's like, Ugh, like gargling and stuff like that. And then he falls to the floor dead, and then she just kind of continues to do whatever the hell she's doing. Uh, we do cut to Chuck finding the fuse box. Uh, he does turn it on, but there's Jason standing right fucking behind him, and he throws him right into the fuse box, electrocuting him. Someone needs to do some upkeep on this house, because that's some dangerous shit. You just touch the fuse box that you're supposed to normally touch, and it's going to electrocute you like that. We need to get some fucking upkeep on this, so you're not going to pass a review. Uh, so we get back to Chile, and because Chuck was thrown into the fuse box, the lights start flickering on and off, and then she starts kicking Chile. Hey, get up, asshole! But then she realizes, oh wait, is he really dead? So she gets down and she sees that the blood's real. So she starts freaking out. And then she runs upstairs to warn Andy and Debbie. But they already know something bad happening because they already met Jason and they're dead. Uh, so she runs back downstairs only to get a hot fire poker shoved right through her body. And ow, that would fucking hurt. Uh, so next we see uh, Rick and Chris walking back from their little hangout place that they were in the woods because Chris's car is a piece of shit. So it died. So they decide to go inside, and then they smell something burning, and the power's out, so they're like, ooh, something's going on here. I don't know. Something's afoot. Uh, so Rick goes outside to take a look around, but Jason grabs him and squeezes the shit out of his head until his fucking eye popped out. Um, I'm sure this probably looked cool when you initially watched it in theaters with your 3D glasses, but it looks kind of cheesy here. You can kind of see the spring pop out of the doll's head <laughs> with the fake eye attached to it. So uh, this was kind of one of a lame death. I mean, on paper, it kind of sounds cool, but 
when it's visually done without the 3D effect, it, eh, I'm not a fan of it. So inside, uh, inside the cabin, Chris goes upstairs and notices that the bathtub is overflowing and overflowing into the hallway. She opens up the bathroom door and finds it's full of bloody water. Oh my god, who is taking a bath in bloody water? You're a sick fuck. So she runs back outside but runs into Loco's body that's been hanging from a tree. I don't know. She runs outside and then as soon as she gets there, the body falls from rope. That's some pretty awesome timing, Jason. I don't know how you pulled that off where you can make it fall right when she gets there. That's pretty clever, Jason. So she freaks out. She runs back into the cabin where every window and every door starts blowing open from the wind. And it's like one opens up and then she's like, oh my God, shuts it. And then another one opens up and then she screams for Rick to help him. And being the hero that he is, he throws his body through the front window to rescue her. No, wait, no. Jason throws his dead body through the window. So he's not really a hero. So Jason climbs through the broken window, axe in hand, and Chris breaks one of the cardinal rules in a horror movie survival. Don't go fucking upstairs. Go out the front window. But no, she goes upstairs and she <laughs> finds a bookcase. It's a pretty big fucking bookcase. And she knocks over the entire bookcase and then a bunch of books fall and hit Jason right in the face, and then that's how Jason invented Facebook. So while upstairs, Chris hides in a closet only to find Debbie's dead body. So she screams as loud as she could, and of course Jason hears us, and you see him running towards the closet and fucking starts breaking down the door with an axe. So Chris grabs a knife that was still stuck in Debbie's back, and then once Jason has a hole in the door from the axe, he sticks his hand and trying to open the door, but then he gets fucking stabbed right in the hand. Uh, but then she exits the door and starts swinging the knife at Jason, but he's pulling off some fucking Anderson Silva movies, fucking bobbing and weaving to avoid the knife, but then finally he, she stabs him right in the leg. He's like, oh, bitch. Uh, so she struggles to open up a bedroom door. Why the fuck are you opening up this door? Go downstairs. Don't open up another door to be trapped even more. Uh, but then Jason takes the knife out of his leg, throws it, almost hits her, but she misses. But he misses. Uh, so once she's inside of this room, she breaks uh, the bedroom window, and it's a very difficult climb. You know, it's not difficult walking down fucking stairs. Uh, but anyway, she's trying to crawl up this window, and she just about gets, gets out. But then Jason grabs her by the coat, and then she's struggling to get free, and then the coat finally rips, and then she hits the ground hard. Yeah, you wouldn't have hit the ground hard. You could have just casually walked on the ground if you went downstairs. Uh, so she's waiting for Jason to come out the front door, and then as soon as he walks to the front door, she blasts him right in the fucking head with a log. I mean, this is a pretty big log. Uh, but we see that Jason's already more powerful than the second one because some little flimsy-ass chair knocked him out in the second movie. No, no, that's not going to happen in this one. No dick kick is going to take this Jason down. So Chris runs to the van that they all drove in in and uh, takes off down the road. We Actually, holy shit, the van actually started and she got to drive? Whoa, that's crazy. Uh, but she sees Jason in the middle of the road just standing there. She tries to run him over, but Jason does some acrobatic dive and gets out of the way. He's like, woo, so she continues to drive, but shortly runs out of gas. Okay, all right, there it is. There's the car problem, so. There, we had it. We've already had one where it didn't start, but they weren't in any danger, so. The gas, the car runs out of gas, of course. So, uh, she gets to a bridge, and then it fucking dies. So, we see Jason limping his ass over towards her. Uh, he grabs her by the throat, because she's still trying to start the car again. Uh, but she rolls up the window, trapping both of his hands in. <laughs> He's, and then she escapes out the passenger window. So, it's pretty clever. I don't know. I think you could just push the window down, but I mean, it still looks it looks cool. Uh, but Jason gets pissed off and headbutts the glass window to escape. Uh, so she runs into the barn and tries to lock the door with a shovel, but Justin says, fuck this pushy shit, and just pushes the shovel out of the way. And then once he's inside, he takes a big log and then he locks the barn door shut. And he's like, that's how you lock a fucking barn door, bitch. So Jason and Chris start in a very aggressive game of hide and seek. Jason's throwing fucking shit around everywhere, saying, where are you at? You're going to die if you catch if I catch you. 
Uh, but she's hiding in one of the rafters, and then, like, she maneuvers herself. Like, she looks like she does it on purpose to drop on top of him. I'm like, I don't think that's really going to do anything. And it doesn't, of course. So she drops on top of him. She freaks out, and she's like, oh, my God, that didn't hurt him really bad? No, it didn't. You hit him with a log, and you get right back up. And you stabbed him, and he's back up. So I don't think you just dropping on top of him is going to do a whole lot. Uh, but she runs to the barn door trying to lift up the board that Jason used to lock it, but can't get it open, so... Jason, he sits back up and he's like, oh, here's my machete. That's where I left this motherfucker at. Uh, he picks it up, goes towards her, and uh, takes a swing at her, but misses. But then he gets the machete stuck in the door. Uh, so she climbs up to the top floor, and then she hides again. With, and she pulls a, a barrel of hay, which is probably like 15 pounds. Like, this will stop her. And then uh, shortly after, Jason pushes that thing up, of course. And he's like, starts looking around for her. But then Chris hits him right in the fucking back of the head with a shovel, knocking him out. And he's like, boom, out like a light. Uh, so she grabs the rope that Fox was swinging on earlier and then ties it around Jason's neck and pushes him off the ledge. He drop off. It sounds like he breaks his neck and then boom, that's the end. That's the end of the series. Jason dies. No, wait, nope, nope, that's not it. We just see Jason hanging there. Uh, she goes back downstairs, gets the barn door open, and then she sees Jason just hanging there. And then he wakes up, takes off his mask, which I noticed that his beard's gone from the second one. And he, uh, his hair is short now. It's bald now, so he's able to... Get that cleaned up and taken care of at a barber shop. So that's that's nice. He had time to do that during the murders. Uh, but when she does, when he does take his mask off, it shows his face, and Chris realizes, holy shit, that's the same deformed, gruesome man that attacked me years ago. Uh, so Jason unties himself and goes after Chris with his machete. But Ollie's alive. Yeah, Ollie is still alive. Well, he was alive. He's alive for about as long as it took me to say Ollie's alive because immediately his hand gets chopped off and then he gets macheted multiple times. <laughs> So that, I don't know, he should have just died the first time because you didn't really do anything. I guess you distracted him. So yeah, okay, alright, Ali, you sacrificed your, Ali, you sacrificed yourself, but you died really fast when you came back. I thought you might have had a little bit more of an impact, but you did not. Uh, so while Jason's doing some slicing and dicing, Chris finds an axe, and when Jason turns around, boom, axe right in the forehead. But he's still coming for her, and she's like, no, what the fuck? Yeah, I'd be freaked out too. You hit somebody in the head with an axe, and they're like, nope, I ain't done yet. But then shortly he crumples to the ground, and he's presumed dead. All right, so the next scene, we see Chris getting on a boat and floating to the middle of the lake. Why is everybody getting on a boat and floating to the middle of the lake? We've seen this in the very first one when Alice did this too. So uh, very similar to the first one, she falls asleep uh, while she's floating in the middle of the lake. Uh, but then when she wakes up, she sees a bloody Jason staring at her through a window. He's still fucking alive? What? Doesn't have his mask on, covered in blood, and he's smiling with, like, two teeth. It's fucking creepy. So she begins to row the boat gently down the stream, trying to get to the shore, but then she gets stuck in a log. So we see Jason bust through the door, and while Chris is trying to get the log unstuck, she looks back up and actually realizes, nope, Jason's not actually there. And none of that happened, because the door's still in place, and I'm just still here chilling. There's no Jason. But as soon as she does that, Mrs. Voorhees' zombie body, full of worms, fucking jumps out of the lake and grabs her. Oh, shit. Okay, now we know this one's got to be a dream sequence. It's not as confusing as the last one, because how the fuck did she get her head back? Did they Jason sew it on and then do, like, some kind of curse? Ah, do I, de dimbula. I don't think he did any of that, because that's a totally different movie franchise, so we know this one's going to be a dream. But yes, of course, like we expected, this was just a dream, and she's actually still in the cabin with the police officers escorting her out, uh, trying to get her back into the car, and she's freaking the fuck out. So we see the movie end with a zoom-in shot of Jason just laying on the ground in the barn with an axe in his head. And we get a quick shot of the lake. And then they don't show anything in the lake and then that movie ends. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so that was Friday the 13th Part 3. I really enjoy that one, especially because we get uh, Jason finally getting his mask. Um, a lot of really cool kills. Some of the kills are kind of dumb, uh, especially with uh, with Rick and his eyeball. 
Uh, but like I said, this one is the first Super Bowl win for Jason here. I thought it was an awesome movie. Like I said, this is one of the ones that I go back and watch quite frequently. And yeah, so yeah. So this one is another one, and then this one's kind of ties in because like the second one, third one, and the fourth one, they all kind of tie in kind of because they're going back to back to back. So like they just immediately happen one after another until we actually get a break later on in the franchise, but we'll talk about that later. But now so we've got Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Uh, the release date was April 13th, 1984, directed by Joseph Zito and produced by Frank Mancuso Jr. It had a budget of $2.2 million for this movie, and the box office was $33 million bills, yo. So this movie takes place immediately after uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, so we see a helicopter in the air. It's nighttime now. Uh, we see the corners are bagging up the axe that was in Jason's fucking head. It's no longer in there. And then they're about to haul Jason's body off to the morgue. So we get to the mor- morgue and we meet Axel, who's, who's kind, of, he's kind of creepy. He's a little creepy and he's just casually eating the sandwich with dead bodies everywhere. And then he's signing off on Jason's body. So he puts the, uh, the sandwich down on Jason's body. It's kind of disrespectful, Dick. Uh, so inside the cold room, uh, Alex and Robbie are watching the 8 o'clock news or the evening news, whatever time it is. And it's talking about the murders that just took place at Higgins Haven. Uh, but Axel keeps trying to switch it over just like some women doing aerobics workouts. And he's, like, trying to get his Mac on with Robbie. But she's like, no, fuck off. I'm trying to watch the news. And then she's like, okay, fine. And then they start making out, and he switches it over to the aerobics channel because he needs to make out while watching aerobics, I guess. Um, I don't know why, but he does. Uh, but anyway, they make out for a while, and then then Jason's hand falls from the gurney, and it hits Robbie in the ass. And she's like, holy fucking shit. She gets all mad, and then she leaves. So he's like, <laughs> Axel's like, whatever. I'll just watch my aerobic women. And then he's watching the... Aerobic women work out, eating a, looks like a bowl of soup or something, or yogurt, I don't know, he's eating something. Uh, but Jason wakes up, and he starts to fucking slice Axel's head off with a handsaw, and then he twists his whole head around. It was pretty fucking brutal. I'm like, alright, we're gonna get this movie started off right. Jason's got a little bit more brutality in him this one. Uh, so we see Robbie's in another room, uh, putting away some other shit, and then she hears the door open, so she assumes it's just Axel, she tells him to eat a dick and go away. But then she turns around, and it's actually Jason who lifts her up by her throat, and then guts her with a fucking scalpel. Alright, Jason's not fucking around in this movie. He's he's pissed. He got an axe to the forehead, and he had to land up grass or in the hay for a while, so he's pissed. Uh, so next we meet the Jarvis family. Uh, first we see Trish and her mom Tracy going for a walk around the lake, and then we meet Tommy Jarvis, the main protagonist in the next three movies for 4, 5, and 6. Uh, so Tommy is played by a very young Corey Feldman who's wearing an alien mask that he made himself, and he's got some, he's, he makes a lot of cool alien masks there and a lot of, bunch of different kind of different masks. Uh, but he's playing some kind of robot game where he has to kill robots to get a bunch of points. Then his mom fucks up and says, hey, why don't you go play that game in your room? Like an asshole. And then we also meet the family dog, Gordon. He's like a, like a brown golden retriever. Very cute dog. And then next we meet a car full of, vic- I mean, uh, the new cast members. So we see Teddy talking with Jimmy, who's played by Crispin Glover. And he, Jimmy's talking about how he broke up with BJ Betty. That's the name that Teddy gave her, was BJ Betty. So I'm guessing Too Short dated her shortly after that, and they made an album about her, or song. I'm not sure the details on that, but yeah. He broke up Teddy, or Jimmy broke up with BJ Betty. Uh, so Teddy's looking up why Jimmy is such a loser in his imaginary computer, and turns out that Jimmy is a dead fuck. Uh, so we do get a quick shot of Pamela Voorhees' tombstone. It's just a little sh- shitty, cheap tombstone that just says Pamela Voorhees, and it's like right in the middle of a field, like right next to the road. I'm like, that's a weird place to just bury a serial killer oh uh so we see a hitchhiker trying to get a ride hold up a sign that says canada in love 
But then they don't pick her up, so she flips over, or Teddy starts talking shit to her. He's like, you got a sister? Rough! So then she flips over the sign, and it says, fuck you. It's pretty funny. If I was a hitchhiker, I would totally do that. Just be all nice and sweet, and if they don't drive, pick you up, and then turn it around and say, fuck you, dude. I would pick her up just for that. Like, if I saw fuck you, I'd stop, reverse, and say, all right, all right, that was hilarious. Get in the car. And so the hitchhiker sits back down to eat a banana, but instead of enjoying a nutritious snack, she gets a knife through the throat. I was saying, Jason's not fucking around. Knife clearly through the throat. So we do see that our friendly teenagers, that are going to be victims, are staying at a house that's right next to the Jarvis house. Uh, Tommy, Gordon, and Trish go out to go greet the teenagers while the mom is watching from the window all like mad, just hoping this motherfucker would step in my front lawn so I can yell at them, oh, you motherfucker. And she looks pissed. I don't know why. Uh, so uh, later, later, a little bit later, we see uh, Trish is back in the house and her mom are sitting on the couch reading. And then we see that uh, Tracy, the mom, is reading the paper with the headline on the front page in big bold letters, Mass Murderer's Body Missing. And then she just seems like, huh, that's, that's weird. I don't know. And then she just kind of goes about reading the news. I'm like, that's some pretty disturbing news. She need like alarm. Like, hey, Trish, uh, don't go outside. Uh, don't let Tommy go outside either. There's a mass murderer's body missing. No, that doesn't happen. But we see go up to next and we're up in Tommy's room and he's trying to get some sleep. But then he looks out the window and he can see one of the teenagers, Sam, take off her shirt. And then her boyfriend, Paul, comes in and they have some kissy kiss time. And you think this is dirty dancing because Tommy is having the time of his life. He's jumping up and down on the bed going, oh my god, this is fucking awesome. But Mom the Boner Killer comes in and he has to pretend that he's sleeping. So he lays back down and she sees it and she goes, ah, oh, those damn teenagers. And then she closes the blind. Damn it, Mom. Shutting that shit down. So it's the next day and then a group of teenagers are heading to the lake. Uh, then we meet the twins, Tina and Terry. They come riding on their bikes, double mint gum style. And then they tell them how to get to the lake. So once they get to the lake, they all decide, you know what, we should go skinny dipping. So there's butts and boobs and wieners flopping about everywhere. And then at this point, Tom, at this moment, Tommy and Trish just happen to be driving by where the uh, teen's car is parked. And then Gordon, he must have smelled tits and wieners because he jumps right out of the car. And he runs right to where the lake's at. And then Gordon, or Tommy gives chase to him. So Tommy gets to the lake and he's like, how in the hell am I this lucky? I'm seeing boobs again? Holy shit. This is awesome. Well, Tommy, your luck's about to run out later that night, but at least you got to see boobies, I guess. That's kind of cool. So then Trish catches up to him, and then try, they all try to get her to come swimming. Come on, Trish, let's come swimming. She's like, yeah, no, fuck that, and then they leave. So our next scene, we see Trish and Tommy driving around, and then the car the car breaks down, of course, because everyone has a piece of shit car in this series. So uh, Tommy's trying to fix the car. So not only can he make masks, he's a fucking mechanic, too. It's like, damn, dude. You would be 12, and you're making... High quality mask and your mechanic. He's like saying shit. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I'd have to Google that and I'd still be confused on whatever you're trying to do. I was just eating glue and smelling my own farts at 12 years old. It's bullshit. So while he's working on it, a strange man with hiking gear approaches them. Ah! And he scares the shit out of Tommy. But he seems like a nice man. And then uh, the dude helps him get the car started. So they give him a ride and he says he's out hunting bear. And starts asking about us like some really kind of serial killer questions. Like, are there any kids in the lake? How about any vacationers? Is anybody staying there? I'm like, whoa, hey, let's settle down, Bear Man. We just met you, and you're already giving me creepy serial killing vibes. So they get to the Jarvis house, and then Tommy insists that he comes inside, and he has something really cool to show him. So Trish introduces him to his mom as Rob, so we find out his name is Rob. But the mom's confused as fuck. It's like, why is my 12-year-old son dragging this strange man that she's never met before up to his room? It's fucking weird, Tommy. So in Tommy's room, he's showing him off all these uh, badass masks that he's been making, I remember when I was a kid, 
and I seen this scene. I'm like, I could probably make masks like this. But then I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. It's going to be awesome. And then by the time I finished up making my mask, it was like a paper plate with some string attached to it. And then like some Crayola marker scribbles. I was not as talented. And I found out easily that I could not do what he did. So later that night, the teenagers are having a party, which they invited the twins over. Uh, Chimmy puts on a record and that's one of the twins to dance with them. And then she says, yes. He's like, oh shit, really? And then Jimmy starts busting out these the sweetest dance moves you may ever see in your life. He's just fucking busting them out, just uh, uh, Crispin Glover style. But then Paul's a dick, and he changes the music to a slow dance song. He's like, ah, dick. So then we cut to later, then the twins are start shotgunning beers. And then once Tina wins, she asks Paul to have a slow dance with her. And this, of course, pisses off his girlfriend, Sam. And she says, you know what, I'm going to go out for a swim. And Paul's such a dumbass, he's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and dance with Tina. Is that okay? And then she leaves. It's like, oh, you fucking moron. Uh, so we follow Sam, and apparently when they were packing for their vacation, none of the women brought swimsuits, because they're all just naked when they go swimming, so she says, fuck swimsuits. Uh, she's naked, and then she swims to an inflatable raft, just chilling in the middle of the lake. So while she's floating there, she's yelling, Paul, 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 Paul Paul's coming soon. Nope, he's cheating on your ass with uh, Tina. And then Jason uh, tries to help her forget about her troubles, and then he emerges from the water and then stabs her through the stomach while she's laying on the raft, so... She doesn't have to worry about Paul cheating on her anymore. And then we cut back to inside, and Paul finally realizes what such a dumbass he is, and he's like, you know what, I probably shouldn't do this. You know, I've been doing it for like the last 10, 15 minutes, but I'm going to stop. So then Tina decides that she wants to be with Jimmy now, and then they start to slow dance and giving each other little kissy kisses, and then uh, eventually they start heading upstairs. So this leaves Teddy and Terry all alone, he tries to put the Mac moves on her, but she's like, yeah, you're, you suck at this. You're not very good at this and then she's like no so the next scene we see paul enter in the water trying to be sneaky as he swims towards the raft he's like i'm gonna surprise her she'll forgive me then you can be as loud as you want she's she's fucking dead she ain't gonna hear you so once he reaches the raft he realizes he's dead as fuck so he freaks the fuck out and he starts michael phelps in the back to the shore he's going fast i'm like holy shit but as soon as he reaches the dock jason stabs paul right in the cock with a harpoon gun lifts him up by the gun and then shoots the gun it's like jesus jason you just had to stab him in the dick that was enough you don't have to shoot it too Fuck. So then we get to Rob who's camping and then he hears a scream so he grabs his machete and then he runs to go fuck somebody up. So he starts heading to the woods but then he hears something back at the campsite so he turns around and he sees somebody walking away by the tent. So he runs back to the tent only to find his rifle broken and the map is ripped in half. Holy shit. Meet fucking around again. So back at the house Teddy finds an old adult movie on like this projector. It's from like the 20s or 30s. It's like a silent film porn. <laughs> I guess it was, <laughs> it was weird. Uh, so, you know, I was like, I'm going to play this. This is a good party favor. So he plays it for the rest of the house. Uh, so they're all laughing, having a good time. But then Terry heads upstairs to go knock on the door Tina and Jimmy are in. And she's like, hey, you know what? It's time to go. And she's like, hell no. I'm banging Crispin Glover. He's going to be famous in a few years. What the fuck are you talking about? You can go ahead and leave by yourself. So Terry's like, fine. So she does leave. And then she's getting on her bike. We see Jason's shadow step. So we don't really see this kill. We just see the shadows kill. So we see Jason kill Terry. He stabs her with like a spear or some kind of pitchfork or something like that but all we see is the shadow it's kind of cool but we don't get to see the actual kill and then he throws her into the house we see her getting thrown into the house so mama jarvis comes home and notices that the power's out so she starts yelling for trish and tommy and even gordon but no one is home she's like hello is anybody there so she goes outside into the rain and then we see her freak out when she sees someone but that's all we see because she's killed off camera we don't see how she is killed we're gonna assume she's dead she sees jason she's dead uh, so now we see Tommy and Trish driving back from God knows where, because they don't mention anything. They're just driving back home into the rain. Uh, so she, I guess Trish was invited to this party, so she's trying to hurry up and say, like, come on, Tim, I gotta fucking drop you off, Tommy, so we gotta get where everyone's getting murdered at this party I gotta go to. 
Uh, but then when they get home, they also know that the power's out and they can't find their mommy. Uh, Trish tells Tommy to stay there and fix the lights so she can go out and look for their mom. Now he's an electrician, too. God, man, you are fucking talented. Uh, so Trish runs into the woods and finds a tent nobody's in, so she decides to just hang out there for a little bit until the rain chills out. And then suddenly a machete comes slicing through the tent. She's like, oh my god. Oh, it's just Rob. He's like, what the fuck are you doing in my tent? So we cut back to Jimmy and Tina, who just got done smacking flesh together. And then he asked her if he was indeed a dead fuck. And she says, oh, yeah, of course you are. And then she goes back to sleep. No, no, she didn't. She was nice. She's like, you are actually really good. And he's like, oh, that's great. Oh, my God. So Jimmy goes downstairs and hands Tina's panties to Teddy, who's still watching the 30s porn. That's kind of weird. Like, I got panties and I got a 30s porn. Let's get this party started. Uh, so Jimmy goes into the kitchen looking for a corkscrew to open up some wine. He starts yelling at Teddy, asking him where it is, but Jason goes, here it is! I found it! And then he slams it into his hand. He's like, oh shit, sorry, too hard. And then he's like, here, this will help. And then he slams a meat cleaver into his face. So yeah, so Jimmy's dead. He gets a corkscrew to the hand and a meat cleaver to the face before he has time to react to anything. So no wine for you, Jimmy. Uh, so Tina returns back to the bathroom after she got done taking a shit. Uh, she looks out the window and then she notices both the bikes are still there and she saw that her sister never left. So while she's looking outside, Jason <laughs> scaled the side of the house onto the second floor, grabs Tina from the window and then fucking throws her out and then she lands a hard on top of a car. So she is dead. Uh, so now we go back to Trish and Rob. He starts explaining that his sister was recently killed by Jason. Uh, if you remember, his sister is Sandra, the one who was a dick and didn't tell anybody about the dead dog. So, yeah, uh, hopefully he's not much of a dick, too. Hopefully he doesn't do anything like that to Gordon, asshole. Uh, so Trish claims that Jason's dead, but then he starts showing her old newspaper clippings and says that Jason's body's missing from the morgue. And she goes, oh, yeah, I wish my mom would have told me that when she read that clipping. Then she's like, nah, you know what? Someone probably stole it. You know, unless it was the dead body man, I don't think who's who the fuck's going to steal a dead body from the morgue. Uh, so back at the house, Teddy's still watching the old porn, still watching it on the projector by himself. Uh, he's smoking a joint. And then he goes up to the screen and, like, starts grabbing the actor's boob on the projector. And then the projector cuts out, and he's like, hello, who's there? And then Jason's standing behind. He's fucking fast. He can knock the projector out and then run around and then get behind the projector. And then he stabs Teddy in the head from behind the projector. Uh, so we meet Sarah and Doug. We've met him a couple times, but Sarah and Doug just got done having sexy time. We're just presumed she just lost her virginity. You were, you were so close. You were so close, Sarah. You could, you could have survived. You had 30 minutes left in the movie. If you just would have held out for, you know, the next day, I mean, it probably wouldn't have been with Doug. He probably would have been dead. But, I mean, you could have survived. But no. She lost her virginity, and we know that's a no-no in horror movies when it comes to survival. So they were having sex inside the shower, so Sarah gets out to go get dressed, but then Doug stays in to practice a search for the stars audition because he's in there singing his ass off. And then I uh, see someone cut the lights off, so he's like, oh, shit, it's either Sarah or maybe it's Paul. Nope, it's Jason. And he punches through the shower door and smashes Doug's face into the tile, fucking killing him. He dead too. So Sarah heads back into the bathroom. So she starts lying to Doug, saying that she wants to hear him sing. We, nobody wants to hear you sing. Uh, but she opens up the bathroom door and then Doug's just laying there, propped up against the shower door. Dead as fuck, so. And then maybe it's because she was a virgin for the majority of the movie, because she has a little bit of horror sense. Because she actually runs downstairs. She doesn't run into a closet and then try to sneak through a bathroom window. She tries to run downstairs and then she runs to the front door. But then uh, she gets immediately killed as soon as she gets to the front door because Jason, from the other side of the door, throws an axe, hits her right in the chest, and she's dead. So we see Trish and Rob returning to the Jarvis house to make sure Tommy's okay. Uh, Rob says he's going to go check out next door, and Trish is like, you know what? Fuck my brother. I'm going with you. <laughs> They're going to leave Tommy alone again. And they're like, what the hell? Why did you guys even come if you're going to just leave right away? Dicks. Uh, so once they're at the neighbor's house, uh, they notice that the porn's playing, so you know, they sit down, have a beer, 
And they're like, you know what? We should probably investigate and see what's going on. Because there's nobody else in this house. Uh, so they start walking through the house. And then the power cuts out. So Rob goes downstairs to check out the... Uh, goes down to the basement to check it out and see if he can find the generator or whatever caused the power to go out. So once he's in the basement, we see Trish start to yell at Gordon thinking he's upstairs for some reason. I don't know why Gordon would be at this house upstairs in there, but apparently he is because his dog's like, fuck this shit. And then we see Gordon jump through the window. So why Gordon's at the neighbor's house, I, I don't know. He must have snuck in so he can watch Sexy Time because he's addicted to that apparently. So after we see Gordon jump through the window, we see Trish go upstairs to look for Gordon, but instead of finding a beautiful golden retriever, she finds a dead body pinned to the wall with a knife. Oh my God. I hate when that happens. So she freaks the fuck out, naturally. And then she runs down to the basement to warm Rob. So they start to run up the stairs. But then Jason's hand reaches through the stairs. Fucking grabs him and tries to pull him down. Now, but like a dumbass, Rob tries to take Jason on one-on-one. He's like, come on, put up your dukes, man. But he gets clawed to death with some kind of a gardening tool. So he's dead. So Trish runs up the stairs and then she runs right back down the stairs like she's going to do something. Like, you ain't going to do nothing. What the fuck are you talking about? And But the, she sees that Rob's dead. She's like, okay, yep, never mind. So she tries to run back up the stairs and then once again Jason tries to grab her from underneath the stairs. But she actually whacks him with a machete she's holding. Where the fuck did you get a machete from? Uh, so Trish runs back to the Jarvis house and they begin boarding up the windows and doors. Uh, so they get all the doors and windows locked, but I guess apparently the windows aren't body proof. Because Jason throws Rob's dead body through the window. Damn. Again. So while Trish is checking on Rob to see if he's okay, Jason busts through one of the other windows and grabs Tommy. Trish runs over and hits him with a hammer fucking 14 times. And it doesn't even phase him. Like, oh yeah, we got badass motherfucking Jason now. No chair's gonna take you down. No dick kicks are gonna take you down. So, you guys are fucked. So after she hits him in the head 14 times with a hammer, she turns the hammer around claw side and then hits him right in the neck with that. And then, yeah, that's gonna fucking hurt. So... So now Jason's pissed and he busts right through the door. Probably one of my favorite scenes in this whole franchise is him busting right through that fucking door and just shattering it to pieces and be like, hey, what's up, bitches? And then he throws the hammer at Trish, but it just misses it and sticks to the wall. So they run upstairs and put a dresser in front of one of the doors. So <laughs> Jason is sick and tired of people trying to lock him out of rooms. So again, he busts down the door with an axe again. Uh, he pushes over the dresser, but while he's trying to get the door open, Trish blasts him in the head with a fucking TV. Which, again, knocks him out because he got blasted in the head with a TV. Holy shit. So, Jason gets knocked into the floor. They slowly start trying to creep around him and walk towards him. Uh, but Jason picks up the axe, slams it towards Trish, but she miss- but misses. And then the axe gets stuck in the wall. Uh, and then he gives chase to Trish. So, I know when the remake came out, and a lot of the people were upset when they see Jason run in the trailers. Uh, but I think they seem to forget that he ran quite a bit in these first four movies. I didn't really start just walking only until part six. I guess part five he did too, but he's... Yeah, not really Jason. So, yeah, these first four movies, he does actually run because he's still somewhat of a human. So, can't really get that upset when you see the remake do it because, indeed, he did. I think people just got stuck on Kane Hodder doing it so much. Where, and then it wasn't even Kane. I think it was C.J. Graham, part six, where he just started to do the fast walk. And then Kane Hodder took over from there. And then, yeah, everyone just kind of remembered he only does a power walk. But he does indeed do running from the first part two, three, and four. Uh, so, Trish runs back to the neighbor's house and runs upstairs. Again, back and forth, neighbor's house, Jarvis house, neighbor's house, Jarvis house. Uh, so Jason runs up right behind her, stands in front of her like, what are you going to do, bitch? So she takes a running dive and fucking flies out the second story window. And Jason's like, holy shit, that was awesome. He pokes his head out and tells her how awesome it was. So she lands really hard on the ground, but then she slowly gets back up. And then makes her way back to her house once again. <laughs> and then once inside, we see that Tommy yells at her. Because she's like, you were supposed to leave. But he's in the bathroom shaving his head. I'm like, this is not the time for a haircut, Tommy. 
what the hell? So now we see Jason enter the house and he's slowly coming after Trish. But Trish has the machete again and he slices right between his fingers, partially cutting his hand in half. And he just like looks at it and he's like, hey, that kind of hurt. What the fuck, man? So after she cuts his hand, uh, she pulls the machete out and then she hits him right in the chest. But that just pisses Jason off and he knocks the lamp down. And then he throws her to the ground. Before he can do anything, Tommy runs down the stairs with the shave head. And Jason's memorizing. He's like, holy shit, is that, is that me? How the fuck did they get over there? I thought I'm right over here. But yeah, but then Jason's mesmerized by what he thinks is him as a kid. And then, yeah, I guess the educational system. Nope, just failed you again, Jason. Sorry. Uh, so while Jason's walking towards uh, Tommy... Uh, from behind, Trish grabs the machete and then knocks his mask off. And now we see he's even more deformed than he was in the last movie. I don't know how he's deformed in less than 24 hours even more. I mean, it looks really cool. It's awesome, amazing makeup effect. But it just it seems kind of silly that he's even more deformed and his teeth are different. And his face is completely different. He's more, yeah, it's just a little silly. But this is 80s horror movie and that's why we love this shit. So Trish starts to freak out once she sees his face because it's, it's scary as fuck. And then while Jason's slowly walking towards her, uh, Tommy grabs the machete. And then when Jason turns around, Tommy hits Jason right in the side of the head with the machete. And it sticks there. Holy fuck. And then Jason falls to his knees. And then the handle of the machete catches the ground. So Jason's head slides down from the top of the machete all the way down to the bottom of the blade. Holy shit, that was an amazing special effect. That's that's a way to kill Jason. If you're going to say this is going to be the final movie, and then this was indeed... That is an awesome way to kill a serial killer. Is a machete right to the head, and then his fucking head slides down. It was awesome. But yeah, they can explain it as much as they want, and how great the makeup effects were, but you just have to watch it to see how. Especially in the 80s, there's no CGI to make everything look even better. I mean, there was, it was probably not as, as intense as it is now. But yeah, if you've never seen that, I don't know why you're listening to this and never seen it, but definitely go and watch that. So Jason's presumed dead by Tommy and... Trish for very good reason because damn how's he gonna survive that uh but then uh while tommy and trish are hugging each other uh tommy starts to see jason's fingers wiggle a little bit and he goes no fuck this shit so he grabs the machete and just continues to wail on him yelling die 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 over and over until we cut to white so the ending sees trish in the hospital bed but the doctor says you know it's pretty normal for him to slice the fuck out of jason he went through some severe trauma so he's just defending himself so then we see tommy come in and give trish a hug and then we get a deranged look of tommy and then that's how the movie ends. So yeah, so that was Friday the 13th Part 4. And this is definitely one of my top fav- favorite ones. I'll say it now, Part 4 and Part 6, I go back and forth which one is my favorite. But those two are the best just because uh, the death scenes are amazing. Jason just being an unstoppable killing machine. That's what we all want to see in a slasher movie. Just a villain that's just spooky, scary. we got to find a way to stop him. And it just makes it a lot more fun. And then the characters, they actually kind of build a little bit of the characters. So you get to... No, Teddy, he's a goofball and he's funny. Crispin's the lovable nerd. Trish is like the, I guess sometimes a good sister. Sometimes she leaves him alone by himself. But um, and then Tommy, he's just an amazing guy that can do all this stuff. He's an electrician. He's a mechanic. He's a arts and crafts connoisseur. So we just kind of learn a lot about the characters. And then just this one was awesome. I love this one. But then we all awesome things come to an end temporarily because then now we have to reach Friday the 13th. Part five. Oh boy. Alrighty. So that's going to conclude this episode. So tune in for the next one, part three, which we're going to have a triple header on that one. It's going to be part 
four or five, six, and seven. Until then, peace out. You are now exiting the man cave. Side effects will disappear momentarily.